0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Workers' Mic on 720 WGN. We're powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor. I'm Ed Maher. Ken is out today, but today we've got uh, co-host Phil Davidson from the Mid-America Regional Council of Carpenters. Welcome, Phil, and good morning.
1: Good morning, Ed. Thank you for having me here.
0: It is a pleasure to have you. And uh, we're also going to have a special guest in the studio with us for the entire show, and that is Uh, Chicago Federation of Labor President Bob Ryder. Hello, Bob. Hey, Ed. What's happening, Phil? How you doing? Bob, always a pleasure. Always good to have you in here, Bob. So, uh, Phil, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about what you do and a little bit about what the carpenters are up to these days. Absolutely.
1: I am... uh, Good morning. I am the uh, communications director for the Mid-America Carpenters Regional Council. We are 52,000 members across Illinois, Missouri, Kansas, and eastern Iowa. Um, Yeah, we do everything from commercial, industrial, residential, you name it. Uh, As Gary likes to say, our EST, from dirt to drapes. Um, Some stuff we got going on lately is we're real excited about our new television show, uh, Built to Last, um, which will be
0: airing beginning in March. And you've had a a few seasons of that. That show's been on the air for a few years now, right?
1: Correct. I should say you're right. This is our new season, not a new show. Um, We're going on season eight, but uh, this year we are happy to report that we'll be airing on Chicago's very own WGN, um, obviously a uh, valued partner.
0: That's what we call a cross-promotion.
1: You like that? Thank Nicely you. Nicely done. Thank you. I'm getting an extra bonus check for that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we'll be starting in March, and we'll be featuring stories about all the incredible work that our union members are doing um, across not only Illinois and Chicago, but across uh, the rest of our jurisdiction. So uh, tune in for that uh, in, uh, in, in, in Q1 of next year, and you'll be hearing plenty about it on this show in our advertising and, and elsewhere.
0: That's awesome, thanks, Phil. And yep. uh, well, I've I've watched that show since it started, and uh, we had a few of our members I think focused on that uh, or featured on that from local one hundred and fifty a few years ago. Um, yep. It's a great show. I recommend everybody get out there and you can watch the old episodes and learn an awful lot about what the what the trades have to offer and some of um, some of the stories of people who've come from you know not knowing what their career was going to look like, joining the trades, getting into the carpenters or one of the other trades, going through the apprenticeship and starting to have a, a career. Um it's a lot of great stories and um you know I, I couldn't recommend it more highly. So built to last, check it out. Come into our very own WGN
2: TV. Yeah, we're good doing news.
1: plugs early today.
2: How about it? Yeah. What about you, Bob? What's going on with you? Well, I you know, coming back to Built to Last, I'm gonna tell you, Phil, that show is so good and it you know, I when it was Oh stop. Uh, no, seriously, seriously. No, seriously stop I'm, it. Bob. I'm, i hang on, hang on, <laughs> hang on. Stick with me on this. You know, I was on I was on Built to Last as one, you know, for a couple segments uh, over the years. And every time I was on Built to Last, my wife's phone would start blowing up because her uh, her cousin or her aunt or some some random family member or friend would like, "Hey, I saw Bob on uh, TV on Sunday morning," and it's like, what you know, as long as I'm on TV. Because I'm not walking into a courthouse, it's a good day. <laughs> that's yeah. right. That's right. They call that the carpenters' union bump. Uh,
1: people know you, so yeah, it's 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 great. We'll get you on. We'll get you on again. Uh, hey, hey, I'm, I'm not
2: I'm not fishing for a segment. <laughs> I got what I'm you're doing here, you, yeah. The show has a the show the show really is, um, you know, something like one of those staples. I think it became of Sunday morning television. I remember when I was a kid. You know the the different staples of sunday morning television you know when you know before as you as you work your way into into football or you know Ed, ed's a big um ice dancing fan you know before you get huge. into right, huge yeah, before you get into those afternoons of that but <laughs> but seriously the the carp the carpenter show built the last um which features a lot of different um unions I, I really do think it's something remarkable that you guys have uh have done, and it's not just because, uh, you know, you guys are a proud member of the CFL. I really proud do, member? Yeah, yep. <laughs> I, d- I, right. do think it's, I do think it's been pretty cool. Thank well, you. Thank you very much. As we
0: always say, um, you know, we are our own best-kept secret um, unions, that is, and just like we try to do on this show, the Carpenters have been doing it for several years with Built to Last, just telling all kinds of stories of every type of worker in every type of situation, and, um, you know, the results are, you can see them, you can hear them. When people see the show, they'll say... You know, I didn't know that union workers did that, or I didn't know that unions offered that. And um, these are all things that people are interested in, whether it's health care, training, safety, you know, just a, you know, a, a louder voice at work. So uh, hats off to you guys for, for the work that you've done on that.
2: And for a market demographic, in terms of who you can, who you want to reach, you know, if you're an advertiser or uh, a local network, I got to be honest with you, if this last election didn't prove it, Working people's a target demographic for anybody. Oh, for sure.
0: 1,000%. Yeah. I mean, like, if, take, for example, the Workers' Rights Amendment, which we've talked a lot about on here, but it performed better than every statewide candidate of any party in every single county in Illinois. So workers are bigger than politics and workers vote. So I, I couldn't agree more with you, Bob. If this most recent election taught us anything in Illinois, it's that you want to be on the side of workers and, you know, doing things like trying to slash wages or push you know now banned right to work laws is just not a winning it's not a good policy but more than ever it's bad politics
2: yeah yeah for sure and you know what ed as you guys know we see it out on the street every day right Right. and people are people are organizing unions and people are standing up for their rights um just from from a to z whether you know i'm i'm you know, we had a Starbucks rally this week. I know you guys probably have talked about Starbucks at nauseum, but the you know there was a you know uh, a rally out at the airport this past Thursday with airport workers, and uh, it's not it's it's the amazing thing about what we do here in Chicago. You know, my organization represents all the uh, the majority of the unions in Chicago, but it's really like representing communities mm-hmm. because you know I tell people any you know. You know, you can you can alternate like which trades you put in there, but everybody knows um, knows a carpenter, right? Everyone knows a, a teacher, an electrician, someone you know. So someone knows uh, you know. Hey, the guy, the guy who's the uh, um, the the person on the uh, metro train who takes my tip ticket. You know, the the conductors, uh, they're they're union members. And Ed, fun fact. I love fun facts. Oh yeah, let's hear it. We all have. we all be a good one. We all have deep roots into the labor movement. I know that I have. You know, I I come. My family comes from the operating engineers. I have family members that are in AfSme. Me, my sister was a union teacher. But you know mm-hmm. who else has a has a has an has a web of union connections? Tell me. It's the guy sitting between you and me right now, Phil Davidson.
0: That's right. co Phil Davidson. Well, yeah. Let's hear more about that. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, there's some, <laughs> some union blood, uh, in my extended family. Um, I've got a, uh, wife who works for the teachers union. I've got a brother in law who works for the transportation communications union, who I'm, Bob is, uh, friendly with. Um, I've got another brother who works for BMWED, another railroad union. Uh, a father in law who is a, uh, local chairman for the signalmen. Um, the list goes on. No so, kidding. yeah, there's some, there's some real ties hey, there.
2: Uh, and 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 his in-laws they also they also connect the Shanahan's also connect back uh, right to the carpenters union too. Yes, there's there's members in the it's a large clan. It's a large yeah. Southside yeah.
1: Irish clan, so yes, Let me a, ask you this, Phil. Yeah. We,
0: we talked last week about the um the contract that was imposed on rail workers um you know by Congress and the Biden administration and a lot of folks in these rail unions were not happy about that. Yeah. Um, it didn't include the sick days that they were looking for. Have you heard a lot about that? It sounds like you have a lot of family in... Yeah, in that that
1: comes know. up at the dinner table conversations. Um, yeah, uh, you know, it was... There was as... It, you guys are aware, I'm not sure if all listeners are, but there was a bit of a divide amongst the different rail unions um, when it came to approving that contract. Some were on board with it, some weren't. Right. Um, and actually, in my family, there was a split of right. one one of the unions supported, one of them didn't. But, you know, I think everyone, um, you know, ultimately can agree that let's get people sick days. It's not oh, uh, going, yeah. we're not going too far out on a limb to ask that workers receive days of... Wages when when they're sick and when they need to plan for um, you know both themselves and their children. So I think um, you know, but the the, the rail unions they're they are a different breed in that there's so many uh, and there's different factions.
2: um, Yeah, let's say there were more than a dozen unions that were party more than a dozen, fourteen, right,
1: right, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: and they all supported adding the sick days in the federal legislation. Yes, right, because that was something they all wanted. Not you know, it didn't. It wasn't part of all the. It wasn't part of the deals that got. That uh, got ratified by the ones who ratified an agreement. It wasn't because they didn't want it. It's because you know you're dealing with a really bad um, group of employers, right? And these, uh, the, you know, the when you when you look at where they were at in bargaining, and you know the whole structure around uh, rail labor is different than uh, most of the other sectors, right? Like when people think of unions, they think of um, what you know as Private sector unions, right. which are under the National Labor Relations Act, or public sector unions, which are your um, you know, your librarians, your teachers, your police officers, your firemen. Yeah, they people all live, who
0: work for governmental agencies.
2: Right. And they all have different rules, but the ones that most people are are the traditional private sector unions and the uh, public sector unions here in Illinois. But the rail labor unions, they live under a completely right. uh, different set of rules, yep. and the airline unions – fall under most of the Rail Labor Act, but even they have then differences. Mm-hmm. And here's here's what I'll tell you. I once got in trouble, uh, almost got in trouble with this because I was on a radio show, and uh, I advocated, you know, the if the, the employers like these labor bargaining acts because they've been able to, after they were passed, they didn't like it, but then they wanted to, like, sort of zero in on it. So I proposed, you know what? If they want to, if they want to limit what we do because they think it impacts them, how about this? How about we get rid of it all? Get rid of the rules and just hit the streets
0: like, yeah. uh, like back yeah. in the they old don't. Days.
2: They don't like the rules as written now. We don't like the rules as written now. Let's just get rid of it all. Blow it all. up, yeah, And we'll... then, uh, and then I said, like, well, you know what? Have you checked in with everybody on that yet? But I'm like, well, maybe <laughs> maybe there maybe there are some things, some parts of the dynamic. I like you, you know. Ask for like, forgiveness you, later. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I mean, these, as we said on the show, the the rail workers. Um, By the if, way, Ed, yeah. I think
2: I think if we, it, it wouldn't benefit the whole country and the stability of labor relations. But I do think. If uh, we started from scratch here in Chicago, we'd have a lot of fun and I think I think worker power would be on would be on the agenda. It would be memorable. Stability <laughs> is
0: important, but it would it it would it would not be boring, that's for sure. We've got to take a break, but we're gonna be back talking about some more actions that have been taken recently by essential workers. So stay with us. We'll be right back with you here on the workers mic, seven twenty
2: WGN. You're listening to The Worker's Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to The Worker's Mic right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ed Maher. I'm here with co-host Phil Davidson and our special guest, CFL President Bob Ryder. Um, so before the break, we were talking a little bit about essential workers and um, over the past week, there were a couple of cases of different tra- uh, transportation workers that are also essential who've taken action. Um, just this past Thursday at Logan Airport in Boston, there were 50 people who clean out planes and deliver the ramps to the side of planes, and they did a one-day strike just to show everybody what happens when they don't come to work. They're they're not super highly paid, uh, but they called this one-day strike just to remind people about how important their work is and what happens when they don't show up. So, um, you know, I think this is something uh, we 're getting we 're talking about one day strikes and uh, people trying to work outside the confines of federal labor law um, so I think that little small things like this remind people i mean we also had a one day strike this week uh, by New York Times employees, I think more than a thousand of them um, but Bob, I mean, what do you think about this kind of popping up uh, outside of the traditional you know Contract expires, can't get a new one. Go on strike. These these one day kind of yeah. um, almost like wildcat strikes.
2: Well, they're not. They're not. Sometimes they're sometimes they're wildcat strikes. Sometimes they're intermittent strikes that happen after an agreement expires. Right. Um. You know, and, and wildcat strikes are not sanctioned by the union because right. they usually occur during the course of a of an existing collective bargaining agreement. So they're unsanctioned actions because the workers on the ground are just completely fed up. Uh-huh. But I will mention that we we had our own little airport action yesterday and it wasn't little actually it had to do with uh, Swissport which is a cargo carrier for companies like Amazon and they actually had a uh, a one day strike on Thursday as well what this tells you is that people are fed up with getting screwed with right, right. the Swissport workers again they're was that a wildcat strike yeah that was a wild, and that was a wildcat strike as well i mean there was a there was an action that popped up around it Um, well, the Swiss port workers don't have a union Mm -hmm. there, you know, there's a lot of middle class, uh, jobs that can be better. There's a lot of jobs that people in the working poor in that can be better. And all, all that needs to happen is that, uh, big companies like Amazon who bring in these non-union companies who, um, who help feed off of uh, working people? They need to recognize, from the top to the bottom, that there's dignity in work, right. and that if you want to be in a consumer based society, which United States is a consumer based society, society, you have to have consumers. So uh, let people, you know, whether it's Swissport, Amazon, or anybody else. Uh, pay people fairly. Right. Let them yeah. go. Let them let them have bathroom breaks. Yes, you know, <laughs> uh, being able to go home to go to bed might be nice. You right, know? right. <laughs> so. I mean,
0: I, I assume you're talking about Twitter. San Francisco is actually cracking down on Twitter. They, um, you know, they fired anybody who wasn't willing to work around the clock. It seems, and so now they've actually installed um, like barracks inside their office so that people can sleep there. They get off, they get done coding or just code until they can't stay awake anymore, sleep for a few hours and get back to work. And this is something that Elon Musk is touting as a winning business model.
2: I can tell you, if anybody at Twitter wanted to know, I could have, I could have warned him because not only is he anti-worker, and that's sort of revealed itself. Yeah, there.
1: making him sleep at the office, I think, is uh, really underscores that. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs>
2: he's <some> ba- <laughs> viscerally anti-union too. Right. Oh, absolutely. Going back, you know, the with uh, the workers who build Tesla cars. Right.
1: Yeah, I read something interesting about him recently that posited that maybe Elon Musk is actually just dumb. Um, when you look at some of his different, uh, propositions and, and, you know, everything from with the, uh, when he tried to rescue the coal miners and then that blew up and then, you know, then he accused the guy who, who criticized that plan as being a child molester. Right. Uh, and then, you know, he's starting fights with senators the people who regulate his business, um, you know, trying to fly cars in space. There's just a lot of examples of stuff that sure. We all think he's, you know, some sort of genius, but, um, I I look at more as a very ambitious guy,
2: but like. The thought process behind well, I, what he's doing. I, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna disagree with you for a second, okay. and I don't want to, I don't want to. I didn't write whole, it. I didn't write no, no, I, I, I don't want to upset a whole segment of the audience that you guys have here today. But I do think that when he got those hair plugs put in, that somehow that may have you know hit the synapses in his brain, and maybe maybe that's maybe that's what it's all about. You that know? seems more plausible. Yeah, yeah that's right. an interesting
0: theory. We're yeah. gonna have to flesh that one out. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, the... We'll get to that right after we have the debate over whether a Chicago hot dog is a sandwich. There's a hot debate to be had there.
1: I got one question about, do consumers bear any of the blame for the problems that workers are having in that... We've become such a spoiled society where we expect everything I, I, to be just dirt cheap. You know, like a flat screen television now costs three hundred dollars. Right.
0: It's 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 a very good and that's question.
1: our expecta- expectation. Because
0: well, I mean, anymore, if you're a Christmas shopping and you want to buy something, if it takes more than two days to get delivered to your house, that's abnormal for a lot of people now. Yep. And to to make that happen, it requires an awful lot of people to be working. Night shifts to be you know working sort of lower wage where, uh, warehouse jobs and things like that, so the cost of those low priced items um, I mean beyond offshoring a lot of the electronics production, if you I think the last TV company that existed in the United States was Zenith and it went out <laughs> of business because they couldn 't keep up with the prices of sony's and Panasonics and things like that um, so, so our, but, but Ed,
2: I think the one thing that you have to keep in mind is our workers complicit in it like uh, are our consumers complicit in it like Phil's positing. Mm-hmm. They're both complicit and victims of it, for sure. right? And especially low wage workers because they end up becoming dependent on 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 costs being so low in on certain items because of because of their wages. And then when inflation hits, because um, the is twisted inside out and upside down, then those people are still getting paid lower wages, and everything goes up. Now the the thing that's been happening that hasn't fully played out is. Um, is the is the uprising in the um, with workers not being satisfied with how they're being treated that we're seeing happen in this in this moment, yeah. which is exciting? Yeah, I think people are starting to open their
0: eyes to it. Stay with us right here on seven twenty WGN. We'll be right back with the workers' mic.
2: You're listening to the workers' mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial.
0: Welcome back to The Worker's Mic right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ed Maher, here with co-host Phil Davidson, special guest Bob Ryder. I wanted to, you know, in the, in the first segment of the show, we were talking a little bit about everybody's background, and Bob was talking about how he's from, you know, the far south side out by Lockport, um, but... I want to talk to you guys.
2: I never actually said that. Ed, are you trying? Here he is again, putting words in my mouth.
0: Well, anyway, so Bob, you represent (laughs) workers all over the city. You tend to work as many as one to two days a week, from what I understand. (laughs) Phil, I know you're all over the city as well. So I want to throw something out here for for a topic of conversation. Uh, For working people, what is the best lunch in the city of Chicago? My take, I'll give up my take first, and that is, al's italian beef the original al's number one italian beef on taylor street where you can't sit oh. down you got the elbows on the counter that's the uh the top of the mountain for me i'm curious uh the italian guys,
1: beef stance i think it's called yeah you yes. gotta widen
0: up your feet a little bit right
2: it's no joke well i mean so this is a little bit more complex for me because you know i can't i can't eat the uh standard american uh Chicagoan lunch anymore but and I, and I don't want to promote that because there's definitely a lot of there's a lot of cholesterol bubbling up the uh, Chicago River. But I will tell you, all all those rules aside, Ed, I would have to say the Italian beef with uh, with sweet peppers and uh, as my wife's family would say from the from because they're North Siders, they would, the North Side Italians, they'd say mozzarella. Yeah, where so, from? Where do you go? Well being someone from the from the southwest from the southwest side iara art uh, you know my place was actually uh pops, pops. beef pops, yeah, of course I knew it was pops be Pop, so. yeah as it's, it's pops um you know they had they have the perfect french fry um their beef is their beef is you know good and good and soaked and, and you know if you if you have if you have a day where you know it's like I can't do beef today. You can always you can always slide over to a hot dog wrapped in fries. Now, the important ingredient, and this is critical. This is this is the most important piece. No matter what Italian beef stand or hot dog stand you're eating at in Chicago or the Greater Chicagoland area, it has to be Vienna beef. Probably made on the South Side now. Used to be on the North Side, but probably made on the South Side now by. Um, you're not UFC-
0: suppo- you know you're not supposed to take sides. You're supposed to represent
2: everybody, Bob. Yeah, you, yeah but I will tell... Well, hey, okay. So I'm
0: not, <laughs> that's
2: so, good union beef right there. Yeah. Oh, that's for sure. UFC, yeah. UFCW local 1546 right. members who make, uh, who prepare Vienna beef, uh, Italian beef, and hot dogs. The
0: best your best beef you're going to find. Phil, let's hear... What do you well, think? Well,
2: this is difficult because, as you
1: know, I'm sponsored by several retailers in the Chicagoland area. and I don't <laughs> want to have to play sides here, but... Um, and I, I mean, is, is this an Italian beef no, question now? Because we're both—I mean, we're... It's, it's two votes for Italian beefs right now. Um, maybe to play devil's advocate, I'll say the Italian at JP Graziano's is a pretty, oh, I'm, pretty, pretty darn good lunch.
0: I will, I will, I couldn't agree more with you on that. I mean, Graziano's is outstanding. A lot of people don't know about that. Right over in uh, Fulton Market. Yeah, there.
2: yeah, no, for sure. Depending on what time of the day and what day of the week, yeah, it used have to have be for there. me the Italian beef. Selection from where you get it could be different. Like if it was a Friday night on the Southwest Side during the summer back in the day, it would be from Duke's Drive In on Harlem Avenue. Okay. You know, Dukes has now moved down the Southwest side because you can go there, get an Italian beef combo, because that's better for dinner, right? You take a piece of Italian sausage and put it inside of the Italian beef, right? Good for good for the heart. Yep. Good for the heart. Cleans the system out. Well, Bob, I hope you've been listening to some of the life insurance providers that we've had on
0: the show recently, because it sounds like uh, you know you should be you should have a nice big policy. So, one thing I wanted to bring up, and this is something that came up over the past week, a lot of uh, people across the city and across the country have been watching the World Cup. You know, once every four years, people sort of try to take an interest and understand soccer again. Um, But the U.S. men's team, you know, hats off to them; they did a great job. They got out of the first round and. Uh, lost their game in the round of 16. But if you remember, there was a pay dispute with the U.S. women's national team um, where they felt that they weren't getting equal pay because, you know, frankly, the the men's team hasn't been competitive on a global stage for for many, many years, while the women's team is like the 96-97 Chicago Bulls. They've just been mopping the floor with everybody for the last 20 years and dominant, yeah, not walking away with a lot to show for it. So they negotiated a new collective bargaining uh, agreement that Wrapped up earlier this year, I think in February, where basically all World Cup prize money was going to be distributed evenly among the teams. So by getting out of the group stage and into the knockout stage of the World Cup, um, the U.S. men's national team is guaranteed at least a $13 million bonus. And the ladies are going to get half of that, which I think is fantastic. Um, They deserve it. They're, They're outstanding players. But it was kind of an interesting place that unions popped up in
2: the national news over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Women's soccer, in particular, uh, they're the uh, women's soccer professional soccer league mm-hmm. has a union, and they uh, recently got their first collective bargaining agreement. Their campaign was organized around the hashtag "No More Side Hustles" because if you if you look at uh, the WNBA, you right. look at women's soccer, those players. Are, have to go and play in other leagues, yep. in other countries, in order to scra- uh, scrape by a living if they want to stay competitive for their for their main gig right. at, in, in the U.S. Professional League. Because right? unlike a lot of men's sports, where they have the ability to do off-season training because they make enough to stay training through the rest of the year, in order to k- keep that high level of play, they have to keep playing. Right? right, they yeah. just literally have to keep on and
1: I've even seen some professional women's athletes on Instagram talking about side jobs, like waitressing when they're not in season, yeah, which, is, no, which is incredible,
0: yeah, I don't know if you guys saw this last week, but uh going back to soccer, one of the world's sort of like biggest stars in soccer, Cristiano Ronaldo, he's been kind of a fading star in the European leagues, but he signed a deal with the Saudi Arabian team uh for two hundred and eleven million dollars per year, no, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, two hundred and eleven million dollars per year. I mean, Saudi Arabia is making a big splash with money in with golf, golf. I yeah. mean, they've owned uh, a lot of you know soccer teams and like Formula One, like all that. They've well, yeah they've they been using sport as a marketing tool. Yeah, uh, because sports washing, right? Be, exactly. That's yeah. exactly
2: right. Yeah, because otherwise people don't want to come to their country or invest in it because of all the regressive yeah. laws and uh, that they have in Saudi Arabia. So, like Phil just said, there's their sport, washing their culture in mm-hmm. order to attract attract uh you know american and european money into their country
1: right yeah the, the people of saudi arabia must be thrilled with seeing their money going to
2: cristiano ronaldo i know. <laughs> I mean, well and and, and I, I if you look at like the facilities that went up in qatar for the yes. for the world cup yeah. Um, it, it, a lot of it was done at the expense of the workers who who built those facilities, they, and a ridiculous amount of money was spent. I mean, they put they didn't finish right. A lot of the no, r- no, they didn't finish units. a lot yeah. of the amenities yeah. right. either for for guests. They built you know, what was it, eight state eight stadiums.
0: Right. Uh, I mean, Qatar has a population of I think <laughs> of, of citizens who live there. It's around three hundred thousand. They have about three million people living there totally, but in total, but ninety percent of them are uh, expats or migrant workers. And recently with, with building all these stadiums, it's been a lot of migrant workers. Cause you're talking about a a country that has one big city in it. And around that one big city, they had to build eight NFL style stadiums, which is insane. And yeah. you are a hundred percent right, Bob, because in say the, the Russia, um, the Russian Olympics, there were like a dozen workers who died building those facilities and the world was upset about this. In Qatar, it was sixty five hundred migrant workers died building stadiums and getting prepared. Sixty five hundred—that's not a typo. That's a real number of people just working, building stadiums in hundred and twenty degree heat in the middle of the day.
2: Mm-hmm. So, on different projects that I've been involved with, with like public buildings that have gone up, um, that have been built and have been built, um, union built, modestly built, with uh, you know, definitely taxpayers got their value. But the people who were bidding on the jobs, they would send their the the architects would send their lookbooks along, and you know some of them would include these elaborate buildings that were built built in the Middle East Mm -hmm. with no budget, right? Like they're built with no budget with an endless amount of money, Mm -hmm. but they're not being built um, where they're raising uh, middle class wages for their for their workers, right? It's like the you know the complete exploitation. Of workers, yeah, absolutely. It's
1: safe to say, Qatar is not a union town.
2: Yeah, I don't yep. think
0: so. <laughs> not even close. Um, all right, well, we've got to take a quick break, but we will be back in a few minutes. Stay with us on the Workers' Mike right here on seven twenty WGN.
2: You're listening to the Workers' Mike, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya
0: Financial. Welcome back to the Workers' Mike right here on seven twenty WGN. Ed Maher here with Phil Davidson and our special guest with a capital S, Bob Ryder. Um, So one of the things that we alluded to earlier in the show, there was a one-day strike this past Thursday, and I think it leaked into Friday, at the New York Times of all places. They've been trying to get a new contract, I think, for about a year and a half. Uh, You know, at issue is wages and, and a handful of other things. And I know, Phil, you've been You've been watching this and uh yep. you know, what are your what are your thoughts or what was the latest on that?
1: Uh well I've uh special interest in it just because I was a former journalist myself and you know want to uh stand with the Times journalists and I, I am a, a fairly loyal Times reader, but um I think the strikes began last night and it's a twenty four hour strike, so uh no listening to the daily this morning, the podcast, and no checking my uh my, my Times newsletters that I get. Um You know, it's it's the media landscape has really changed, as everyone knows, to state the obvious um and The New York Times is one of the very few news organizations in the world that are that is thriving i mean it was I will tip my hat to them a pretty genius investment to purchase Wordle and all these other games now, and then they kind of spin those off separately, so like they're very profitable right now, and the cost of living in New York City, as we know, is astronomical right, so I feel like you know with with all. The profits that they're turning right now, it's time to give these guys a fair deal. I, I don't think they're asking for a whole lot. Um, it's been, as you said, a year and a half since they've had a contract there. So, um, yeah, standing with solidarity hey, and hope they can come through and take care of these guys. So, Phil,
2: I think we got to ask Ed this one question. Ed, do you, are you familiar with Wordle? I am familiar with Wordle. Do, do you do you ever play Wordle? I don't post it on Facebook like you do every day, but I do <laughs> play it. But, I only post it on Facebook when I get two. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Which is never.
1: Do you know they bought they bought that for a million dollars. They paid for that. And yeah. it's like the most downloaded game ever. Yeah. You know, so like thinking of how much they're making, making off. Up.
2: Wordle alone. Yeah. So so Ed, are you uh, interrupting your Wordle streak for uh for the strike? I don't play Wordle on a daily basis,
0: but yeah. I um, I typically do listen to, you know, the daily almost every day. I read the New York Times, but yes, I do play Wordle on a fairly regular basis, and I always start off with the word clear. That's my Ooh. word. Do you have a word, Bob? I do. What is it? I do. I don't know if I want to share it. All right. Well, but moving it's... right along. How about you, <laughs> Phil? Do you, do you have a word? Are you into the Wordle? Do you uh, play the Wordle?
1: I, I play. I got bored with it because I was just so good at it. You know, I like a th- 200 day winning streak 100% obviously so um, <laughs> I but I my 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 start word was alert uh, alert That's a good one yeah alert.
0: Alert. well it yeah. certainly wasn't
2: yeah. humble <laughs> uh. <laughs>
0: Is that six letters? My,
2: Whatever. My, my, my starting word is close to Phil's. It's it's meant. Meant.
0: Yeah. Why would you not share that? Is this like a secret? You're not competing against the listeners. Well, you know, <laughs> Are you in the world rankings. You I'm take actually this a lot more competing against.
2: I'm competing against my mom and sister. My mom and sister share their. Their start word all the time. Two I mean, on one? Yeah. <laughs> Say it one more time. Ment? Ment. Meant? Meant. M-E-A-N-T. You even it. spelled it right. That's an yeah. extra point. Pretty good. My word is similar to the R S T L N and E from uh, Wheel of Fortune. I, yes. I, I started
0: out <laughs> with that uh, also. You know, one of the things that I read about this New York Times strike. That the Times had an issue. The union that represents the the writers, I think it's just the New York Guild or the Times Guild. Yeah, but, uh, one, part
2: of the part of the, the, new, the CWA News Guild. Yeah, yep, right.
0: So one of the issues that the Times had was that uh, negotiations, they said, were not productive because the Times had – they didn't agree to closed door negotiations. They had uh, negotiations over Zoom with a large group of negotiators, but then also, I think, 200 and some observers, people who were watching the negotiations – and the Guild does this in the name of transparency. I mean, I know that, uh, you know, having been in the environment of union negotiations many times, uh, often the deals are are done and completed in the wee hours of the morning in a hallway when there's just a small handful of people getting down to the main issues. So, um, you know, Bob, I know that you've dealt with, uh, you know, various unions across the city and you've probably seen outcomes of negotiations from large groups and then outcomes of negotiations from bigger groups. I don't know if it would be 200 but uh but what are what are your thoughts? And I guess Phil also at the Carpenters um you know is uh wh- which which way have you guys historically gone? I mean it's 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 got to be hard to to negotiate a contract in front of a crowd of hundreds of people. Uh, not,
2: yeah. not not necessarily. It it depends on the culture of the union and how the union's structured. Some unions have have a structure where there's a a council that's over uh, uh, a bunch of different locals so the constituents are more tiered uh, then you have some mega locals that have a lot of workplaces and they have bark big committees mm-hmm. because they have they have so many constituents that need to to weigh in but there's always sidebars it, it the, the the key to it all whether you have a Small committee or large committee is maintaining that level of transparency with your members, right? And communicating to the employer that if you want a deal ratified, I can I can work with you to get to terms. But it has to be something that my members can ratify at the end of the day. Because if I can't ratify this deal, it there's doesn't no do you it, right. yeah, it doesn't do you any good, employer. And uh, sometimes there's some benefit to having people in there. There's no right or wrong way. To do yeah. it, as long as there's transparency with the members, when you get down to it, uh, when it comes to time to be ratifying and walk through
0: the agreement, for sure, members have to have to know what the goals are. I mean, any anything like this has got to be driven by the members, what their needs are, um, and a union that negotiates contracts that aren't based on what they're hearing from their members. I mean, that's not a successful strategy for for a strong union that's going to have uh, going to have a lot of support.
2: Bob, do you do you represent the Chicago Tribune Guild? So the Chicago Tribune Guild is part of the Chicago News Guild, which is an affiliate of the CFL. Um, so the answer to that a long yes. Yeah, it's a long <laughs> yes, but I want you know the but they're under their first they're under their first contract. Yeah. So it's uh, uh, we represent we represent the guild in in, uh, in in you know in their workplaces. Uh, we work with them very closely, but sometimes people don't understand what the structure is. Mm-hmm. And then how people get brought into the bigger labor movement? We are always there on the front lines as a new groups uh, getting organized to assist our affiliates in doing that. Yeah, that was
1: a welcome development when they organized. I, I know it's been a couple years now, like back because it was still when they were under Trunk right before yeah. they were bought by Elden. But with everything we've seen with this Elden Capital and what they've done to newspapers, I think it's safe to say without that union, who knows what the Tribune would even be
0: anymore? I will say uh, yeah, this: the, yeah. the the Tribune for many, many, many years, was not a friendly no, news anti-union, outlet yeah. for workers Colonel at McCormick
1: all. was about as anti-union as it comes. Right. right.
0: It was It was very anti-worker, yep. and then they got bought by a company that basically squeezed everyone out and said, we can hire monkeys to sit at typewriters and do your job, so you're getting paid nothing. And then all these journalists said, uh, oh, man, we need a union. I will say the Tribune has become a lot less... Abrasive toward workers, but uh, but you yeah. know we saw we saw well, what it took.
2: Well, you, you so Tronc, yep. which owned the Tribune, also um, tried to acquire the Chicago Sun Times, and we should probably disclose this that um, met, uh, you know uh, some of the members of the Midwest Coalition of Labor, mm-hmm. along with the Chicago Federation of Labor, put together a deal with some other investors to um, to buy. The Chicago Sun Times, mm-hmm. um, from the from the from the ownership group that was in place at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, in full transparency, am I ended up I ended up back representing uh, the labor movement with the Chicago Reader, which it originally was part of the Sun Times, got spun off, and now is a not for profit, and the Sun Times itself is now a not for profit owned by. Um, uh, was it public uh, public radio media yeah, or yeah. whatever? But yep. the carpenters and the operating engineers and the laborers union and SEIU and some others, the insulators union, were all part of the um, ownership group. The Chicago Sun Times for a two and a half year, two and a half three year period. I d- I don't know the exact time mm-hmm. frame anymore. That's right. Yeah. So. Uh, we're getting near the end of our time.
0: We've got to wrap up, uh, and I want to thank both of you guys for being here. Phil, it's been a pleasure having you. I think you're going to be back next week with yeah. Ken, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah,
1: I can't wait. Thanks for having me. How did it feel to be able to get a word in edgewise on uh, this show? South you know, I
0: didn't, I didn't know what to do with all the <laughs> open air. We're, we missed you, Ken. We've got to wrap up. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. We will be back with you next week. So thanks for listening. This has been the Worker's Mic, powered by MCL, right here on 720 WGN. The preceding
2: episode of The Worker's Mike was powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. For additional information and podcasts of The Worker's Mic, visit wgnradio.com.